Now, back to your tech report. Every year, Roku does a very cool video on demand evolution study. I can't make that up, uh, which examines Canadian TV streaming habits and trends and lots of really cool stuff that we want to dive into. And with me right now is Christina Summers. She's the head of advertising sales for Roku Canada. Christina, you've been on the show before. You're no stranger. Welcome back. It's nice to have you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's nice to be back. I got to ask you a question for those people who have not heard a conversation like this before about this particular study. Where did this study begin? What, what was what was the reason for its existence? Sure. Um, to give you a little bit of history of what's happened with Roku in Canada. So I got started with the company almost six years ago now. When I got started, my goal was to build revenue for the company in the form of advertising. And one of the things that was severely lacking was specific numbers around Canada and Canadians and what they were doing within the streaming landscape. Uh, we had a lot of North American numbers, which let's be honest, were heavy to the U.S. marketplace. There were some global numbers. There were a few different things that were happening, but there was nothing telling us as to whether Canadians were doing things differently, more or less, or anything like that. So four years ago, we commissioned our first study to take a look at the marketplace as a whole, not specific to what Roku was doing within it, but what consumers were doing when it came to TV streaming. And so over the years, we've both modified and um, had a chance to look back because this is our fourth consecutive study that we're doing. And so it gives us a baseline that we can both talk about in interviews like this so thank you again um, it's also a great tool for our advertising sales team to talk to clients about why they should look at shifting their budgets and considering the connected tv and tv streaming space it also supports our other business lines and partners within so our retail team uses a lot of the numbers to talk about what they're doing our content distribution team so it really provides a foundation for us to both understand what's happening and then as years have progressed we're able to um to, to add to that and look back and see if these trends are continuing or whether they're one-offs. You know, Roku as a, as a company is in an interesting position because you not only have your own streaming service offerings, but you of course are a portal to streaming for other services and apps and, and stuff on the platform. If you, if you guys are listening and you've never experienced the Roku operating system, you better stop now and go do that and then come back and you can hit play again because it's, it is an, an, a no word of a lie here. It's not because you're on the show. It's our favorite streaming platform. It's our straight favorite TVs. I mean, everything when it comes to just the interface, even over Apple TVs of the world and Chromecast and all that stuff, it's just so easy to use and so easy to discover content. And I love it. So that, that aside, let's get that, 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 that shameful, you know, plug aside. Um, it's, it's an interesting position that you guys are in to be able to do a study like this, because it not only benefits your own obviously agenda at the end of the day, which is, is advertising sales, et cetera, et cetera. But it's important data that some other companies don't necessarily want to give away. How does that benefit you guys or, or, or just the landscape as a whole? So what we've tried to do with this study, much like a lot of things that Roku does, is we tried to be very transparent and provide value to the marketplace. So in not having this data, when I got started, you know, we we made a lot of guesses, we made assumptions, but we didn't necessarily know what was going on. And we figured that if we were having that challenge, then lots of other people within the space were having that challenge as well. So our goal in doing this and making it publicly available was to both inform uh, Canadians, partners, competitors, anyone who finds the information valuable, but also to help steer the conversation as far as what's happening within the TV streaming landscape, prove some of the things that we're doing, explain why we're maybe investing in different areas, and just help overall the conversation that's taking place around this. 
Yeah. This being the fourth consecutive study, you now have not just one year of metrics, but you've got three years of metrics behind you, which means you can really see trends. You can see things more than just one year to another. You can say, okay, great, this is moving. This now you're now we're looking at a real, you know, bite your teeth into data. And one of the things that uh, I noticed in the study is that Canadians are watching 22 hours of TV content per week. Okay, that's great. But how does that compare to previous years? So the streaming hours themselves are fairly consistent. So um, we did see kind of a one hour difference uh, in total hours that we're seeing. So it was 22 um, hours prior, so this year, and 23 hours um, last year. But what the difference is, is both how consumers are watching content, what they're watching, and some of the habits and behaviors that are taking place. Because when we talk about streaming, it encompasses a lot of different things. So whether that's broadcaster content, whether that's um, true streaming channels, so over-the-top channels. But what we're seeing is the shifting, and this is not unique to this year. This has been ongoing since we started the study. So one of the terms that we're using to describe this is what we call FlexiVod. So it's defined as streamers who consider changing services in the next 12 months. So the numbers mm, okay. that we got from this year's study is that, you know, 12, 12% of TV streamers are looking to upgrade their service. 14% are looking to switch. They're looking to downgrade, cancel, subscribe. You know, they're switching to ad supported. So there's just a lot of... Um, options that are available within this space and what we're finding is that as time goes forward is that consumers are moving in different areas either based on what's happening from a macro perspective so the economy and trying to save dollars and things like that right now or they're going because services have changed so the likes of netflix and disney where they're introducing ad supported tiers so you're seeing consumers react to what's happening from a marketplace perspective and what are they reacting? What are, what are we? What are those trends? Are we seeing people um, switch off the paid to the ad supported? Are people more, you know, uh, open to ad supported tiers? Yeah. So from an ad supported perspective, this is a growth area that continues to grow across the board. So to level set as far as where we're at, so 75% of the surveyed Canadians as part of the study are now TV streamers. So three quarters of Canadians are TV streaming in some capacity. When it comes to the growth in AVOD or ad supported streaming is what it stands for. It's now the most popular TV source with ad supported TV streamers increasing over last year. So we're up to 59% watching in this last year compared to 42% in the previous year. So we know that the value exchange for free, I mean, who doesn't love free, um, is a yeah. great one for consumers, especially when you've got other things that are happening within the marketplace. Um, but it's also a great source of content for them. So it's a way to both complement what they're doing for their subscriptions, but also find and secure and source and enjoy new content. How much do you think content uh, or the type of content or the type of programming um, draws people to or from a service? And I, I'll use myself as an example in my house. You know, for example, my wife wanted to watch the new Sex in the City, and it's only available on certain platforms in Canada. So you're, I find myself hunting a lot, especially in Canada, trying to figure out where are these shows? What do I have to subscribe to? What am I going to have to do? And we do it often, and we don't hesitate either. We were like, okay, let's subscribe to this for a month so we can get this TV show and watch all of it and then move on to the others. Whereas years ago, we'd probably go online and say, how can I get this for free? Now we don't care. I just want to get the show. It's not even about whether I pay or I don't pay ad support or not. It's just the content. So how, how influential are the shows now in deciding what people are watching? 
I think they're just as important as they used to be. So everyone wants yeah. to talk around the water cooler about the latest and greatest and what's come out. I think it's become more competitive for content producers because there are more services, there are more options, both uh, locally, so homegrown talent that we have here, as well as global content that's becoming available. Um, so I don't think that has changed in any way whatsoever. Everybody wants the latest and the greatest from the programming. What I think is changing is how to find it, where it's distributed. And again, it's feeding into this shifting behavior that we're seeing. When TV streaming got started, there was this concept of binging. You know, you could catch up on as many episodes as you wanted, whether yeah. it was new or older programming. And so you would see people invest in that. And so we saw that on the channel side as well. So someone would subscribe or add a new channel because they wanted to binge whatever that new favorite show is that everybody's watching. But then they might move away from that service and go to a different one because, again, they then have the next new program. So to kind of blend what consumers are doing and what I do on a daily basis on the advertising side is we work with those channel partners and those content producers to promote that programming as well. So I know we're going we're to talk more about research and, and the study and things like that, but just um, we try to do those types of things to both help consumers with discoverability, help our content partners ensure that those big titles are being seen by our consumers consumers and help to make it easier for consumers to find what they're looking for. Yeah, no, and, and and quite honestly, like, you know, with with the Roku operating system, just the whole interface, discoverability is one of the reasons that I stick with it because you really can find things and where they are with a very little confusion. Um, one of the one of the things that was interesting in the study I found, one third of streamers, so 34%, I believe it was, had never had a cable package. I feel old now. <laughs> Does it match the demographics? Is it a demographic thing or is it just the way the world is turning now? It, it's a bit of both. I mean, we we do find that our younger audiences are a little bit more where they've never had traditional cable. Um, and we find some of the older audiences are a little more where they've had it and are either introducing the TV streaming to part of their uh, viewing behaviors. So some of it is just generational. We'll see that. Um, but again, I think it, it comes down to um, it's just a new form that is becoming more prevalent, more common, and much like other tech that happens is everyone kind of comes along for the ride. And so that is what we're seeing is overall growth across the board in TV streaming and the numbers that we're seeing with the study. Uh, we're seeing a slight decline. And part of that is just as as all of us don't feel bad, we're, we're all aging as we're going through this, um, <laughs> go with what is what is common for us. And then we have the younger generations who are also helping to inform uh, their parents, grandparents, things like that. So it is just an overall shift. It's not to say that linear television is going to be gone tomorrow or anything like that. In some cases, I think uh, TV streaming will actually give them longer legs and support them because it acts as another distribution platform that it allows yeah. them to reach those new audiences with the content that they're producing, who maybe never had linear, but will now watch their programming in a different way. Yeah, I think the, the even the term linear, I think, is going to become kind of people aren't going to really know what the difference is anymore as long as and this is where especially in Canada where you have three big companies who are bringing in content from the US they need to you know continue their their trek down the streaming you know the streaming road in order for people to discover that content are we finding that they are that people are discovering that content this way 
Uh, well, I'll ask you. I mean, there, there's been some some big content that came out there. You know, I think all of us heard about Squid Games or all of us heard about, yeah. um, you know, Game of Thrones was a big one early on. There's just big titles out there. And when they both catch from a personal perspective, word of mouth still works great. But these um, content yeah. partners are also investing heavily to make sure that these top tier programs that they're spending a lot on to bring to consumers are performing well as well. So, um, yes, I think it is very much true. Um, you know, you, you talked about binging earlier versus um, it, it's funny. When I first got onto streaming platforms, binging was was all the rave. You can go watch the whole show and go. I find myself now waiting because a lot of different shows are now going back to the weekly episodic model. And I, I understand why, because they, they want to hook you, et cetera, et cetera. But I find myself waiting until the series is over so that I can binge it because I'm tired of waiting. I don't want to, I end up waiting for the big chunk. So I don't have to wait from week to week. I find that less stressful, especially with some of the dramas and some of the different, you know, styles that are out there. And is this shift to the episodic versus the just release everything is this something that that's you think is as a result of of keeping our attention of advertising? Where do you think that stems from? Yeah, I, I don't want to speak on behalf of our channel partners because I'm sure they have a lot more um, metrics behind kind of why they're releasing. I won't hold you to it. It's an opinion. <laughs> they're, they're different schedules. So this is a personal opinion, not a Roku opinion. Yeah. Um, but I think a, a couple of things. So, yes, new behaviors. We've all done it where we've wanted to watch something and you consume it in a weekend and then you're done and on to your next piece of programming. So I think some of that data is starting to come through. So content partners see that and so then they look at their scheduling and is there different ways in which they can distribute that to either keep people further engaged so not only are they just watching one program but they might actually discover other things within that channel and service as well so i think that's uh, smart on their part these channel partners have a plethora of content that's available so sometimes just having consumers spend a little bit time dig a little deeper and find something also that they want to watch is good um there is some other data that's out there, and apologies, I can't quote the source that comes from it, but there is numbers that come out that say, you know, once consumers have watched two to three episodes, they're pretty much hooked on the program. So I know some of them have some different release schedules where they look to release the first couple together, and then they stagger them out because if you're hooked and you love the show and you're talking to your friends and family about it, then that's another way that they can ensure people are staying involved and um, in their channel longer. So there, there's lots of metrics that are going into this. I think what we're finding is that TV streaming has been around long enough that we can actually start to get good data, much like yeah. the study that we're running to inform our partners and consumers on things like that, so that we can do the best to both bring that content forward, but then also make it profitable for our channel partners. Is there a specific genre that, that Canadians are gravitating towards more than others? Uh, do you have any guesses? Do I have any? I know the answer. <laughs> uh, good prep. Good prep. Um, yeah, okay. we're seeing, I mean, content across the board. Everything is of interest and in depending on what you personally are interested in. But some of the trends that we saw from the survey data was drama is on the highest end of the genre spectrum. So 97% of people surveyed said that they're watching uh, dramatic programs and that it's something that they're enjoying watching. On the lower end of the spectrum is more comedy, but it's still a very high 
by number 87% of people. So the entire genre spectrum we're seeing across the board. Some of the other types of content um, is a little more different. So we're seeing live news at about 48% of TV streamers who are watching live news. Um, More general family-friendly programming is coming in at around 50%. And then live streaming uh, for sports and events, a little bit lower at 45%. So, yeah, so once you get into the niche programs, I think you start to see um, differences come out at the household level, whereas the big mass, big programs are still kind of one for all. Um, One of the one of the interesting things that I read in the survey was that it takes 13 minutes for people to decide what to watch. That seems like an incredibly long amount of time. But that I find myself sometimes sitting there flipping going, what on earth should I watch? Because I've binged everything. You know, um, is 13 minutes long? Um, You know, it's funny. If you sit here and think about 13 minutes, I think we all think it's long. If you ever time yourself while you're actually trying to look for something, if you don't know what you're going to watch at night, um, then I don't think it's that long at all. Uh, Personally, I think I've spent way more time than that doing it. It's another one where we see a bit of a split. So the younger audience takes a little longer, about 18 minutes for adults 18 to 24. And the older audience being adults 55 plus take about nine minutes. So that's a bit um, oh. a bit telling as well. I think perhaps, again, you're just seeing the differences of who's coming knowing what they want to watch versus people who are looking for something new and exciting. But uh, yeah, 13 minutes, I, it, personally, I think it's a, a little low because I feel like I kind of skew on the higher end of that spectrum. And, and is do you find that as a result of that metric that there is reaction? Like, do you find that you guys, whether at Roku or, or our other partners, are trying to to lower that amount of time do we care how long it takes people to find stuff Uh, i don't think we care how long it takes them i think what we're trying to do is introduce tools and functionality that allow them to find what they're looking for so on roku our platform team does a great job of introducing different enhancements and features so if you're not familiar with roku when you land on the home screen there's a left hand navigation bar that helps you get to everywhere that you want to go from just your standard streaming channels to your settings We've introduced some different platform enhancements. One of them um, that we've always had is master search. So if you were ever just looking for a specific title, a director, a cast, it will um, allow you to type that in and then start to populate results on the right. So if you were you know, a huge Keanu Reeves fan or something like that, then you could just quickly look, search, find something that they're featured within and move forward. One of the new features that they've introduced is featured free. So this is a section that's going to populate with only uh, free content. So this used to be the number one search term on Roku was just free. People were looking for something that they could enjoy and not have to pay for. And so in working with our partners, this is a way for us to populate and make it easier from the homepage to find what they're looking for. We've also introduced what to watch, which again is a a new section within the left-hand navigation that's more general in nature. So it's not necessarily free, but it it does allow our partners to feature either new content or different things that they're promoting and bringing to market. So it's easy for consumers to find what they're looking for. So I think helping consumers find what they're looking for is paramount. Uh, For us, selfishly, we want to make sure that they stay on Roku. So again, we have different um, in-platform placements from an advertising perspective that allow our channel partners to populate um, upcoming content. So again, something might catch your eye before you go into your channel of choice and you're like, great, there's this new program out from partner XYZ. 
and I want to watch that and I'm intrigued by that helps deep link directly into that channel and they can move forward with the viewing experience. So I, I think we're less concerned about the time. We're more concerned about helping and ensuring that we're, we're giving them something that they would want to stay and stay within the Roku environment. You know, when I, when I think about the, the future of consumption of television consumption, and I don't even know if we can use the word television to be perfectly honest here, just just media consumption, really. Um, I I envision a Roku interface and, the, and a Roku portal being that future of what television is. Do you guys feel the same way? Yes, uh, from a Roku perspective. So the OS or the operating system for the television is what Roku does best. So we have a proprietary operating system that powers both our devices. If someone's buying one of those simple sticks that you attach to your television, or whether you're buying one of our new uh, Roku-powered television with one of our seven manufacturers in the Canadian marketplace. It is the operating system that's powering everything that the consumer both gets to enjoy, as well as our channel partners are distributing on. So much like the mobile or the desktop world where you've got a few dominant players, Roku's aspiration is that as things uh, unfold and TV streaming becomes kind of more the norm and standardized, that we become, if not the, um, certainly one of the, the most dominant players that are going to be within the TV space. Are there any any metrics that I didn't touch on that you want to make sure people know about? Uh, the only one that, I, again, from just an overall perspective that I, I think people found may find interesting, and a lot of it is just about you know, we've, we've lived through a pandemic. It's been challenging for all kinds of reasons and everyone has different um, things for that. TV streaming has done great within that, you know, forcing everyone to stay home and, and entertain themselves is great for TV streaming. But now that we're starting to come out of that, what was interesting to us is that we're starting to see a lot of return of behaviors. So we're seeing people who want to go back to shopping in store. We see people who are looking to make big purchases, whether that's going on a vacation. So 53% of people looking to travel within Canada, people looking to renovate their home or property at 24%. They're looking to uh, buy a new or used vehicle at 19%. So it, it's nice to see uh, both the fact that we're coming out of this is that people want to get back a little bit to normal. It's not to say that there won't be new behaviors that kind of stay with us as we move forward from this day, but it's just nice to see that people are starting to leave their homes, both uh, spend some money and get back to the normal, um, but also visit store locations and go and be out there doing what they like to do best. I'm going to ask you a question now, and this is my edit point, okay, in case you don't want to answer it. And there's been a lot of conversation, and you may not even have an answer to this, about the CRTC's role and and what they're trying to impose on streaming providers, social media, et cetera, et cetera. I'm wondering if Roku has a take on whether they, you know, this is good or bad for the medium in this country. Yeah, I, I, from my perspective, it's not something that I can comment on at this time. Okay, um, I'll, add, I'll cut it out. Okay, yeah. We're, Don't worry about it. Yeah, for, for your knowledge, we're participating in the process. There's just nothing formal that's yeah. come out as of yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people off the record that I have a TV show on, on a, a network here called AMI TV, and they're nonprofit. They're funded by cable and satellite providers. So I'm like super quiet on this topic because I'm super against every the government trying to control everything. But I can't say that because at the same time, it's also those rules that make my show possible. 
So I'm like, yeah. okay, I'm not saying a word now because I can't because it just and it's it's like it's like commenting on politics. It's just not worth it. Because God <laughs> well, forbid I say the wrong I, thing and they and they piss me off, you know. Yeah, under separate context, if you just want to have a call, uh, yes, there's you know things that we could banter, uh, but not from yeah. an interview perspective. No, no, totally, totally. That's why. Okay, so um. Christina, obviously, um, always fun to catch up. And uh, this being obviously the fourth annual, I cannot wait till the fifth annual. This is super interesting stuff. Like it's, you know, we we take for granted the content we consume, but there's so much data and so much information. And I think uh, the one thing we know about with everything that's going on in the world is that data seems to be key, whether you're a search engine or a, you know, a streaming provider. So thank you so much for taking the time to join me. Um, if there's someone, if they want to find the study, can we find that on the Roku website somewhere? Yeah, absolutely. On the, the Roku advertising website, there is a blog about it. You're able to download the white paper. So all of the information is publicly available. Awesome. Christina, thank you so much for joining me this week. And we cannot wait to have you back maybe maybe sooner than a year from now. That sounds great. I appreciate being here. Thanks very much. You've been tuned in to Your Tech Report. Join us again next week for another edition. And be sure to follow Your Tech Report online. Email us, contact at yourtechreport.com. Follow us on Twitter at Your Tech Report. Like us on facebook.com slash yourtechreport. For the latest in breaking tech news and reviews, yourtechreport.com. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. We all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com.